Well, hey there, kids. Stop your grinning and drop that linen. It's the brand newest <laughs> installment of Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie podcast, now turned Action August Podcast. Action August. Here with the host with the most, it's me, your good buddy, Corporal Ben. To me, to your other good buddy, Hollywood Steve, who has no rank, because I did not <laughs> join the military. Not You're not all about uh, assholes and elbows or whatever, right? No, I'm not. I, you know what? Honestly, I don't think I'd work for this corporation at all. We'll talk you know about what? that later. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think that's something I'll be applying for anytime no. soon. We are here today to be talking about one, a lion's dose. <laughs> a lion's dose. We yeah. talked about a lion way back in the day, one of the we greatest did. movies mm-hmm. ever. And yep. uh, old Jimmy James Cameron, he just went and done sequelized the damn hell out of this thing. He sure Holy did. Holy moly. He mashed on this and pretty damn hard. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about that 1986 masterpiece a little bit later on. If you want to get straight on to the movie review, use the timestamp provided to you in the podcast description before you get mad at us for catching up, slamming a co-beer, and shooting the shit a little bit. All right. Hell yeah. Fine. We got an agreement there. All right. I agree. If the two of us agree, then basically that means everyone agrees. Yeah. So that's take how that, that works, right? Deal with it. Hmm. I'm gonna caffeinate myself here. I got myself the dregs of a uh, a nice ice, iced latte that I got from Old City Java down oh, in yeah? the Old City Knoxville. Man, talking to my uh, my barista dude down there, and he was telling me how he just uh, acquired a a Blu-ray copy of Possession. And you've never seen oh, it before. Okay. And I'm like, dude, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like if I see him again next time and he's like, yeah, I saw the whole like squid guy thing coming a mile away. I'll be like, are you a god? <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Yeah. Might be. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes a great latte. I'll tell you that, man. <laughs> How you been doing this week, dude? Uh, good. Just prepping. We, uh, we have someone coming into town. Doomsday uh, prepping, sick. Yeah, do, yep. Doomsday prepping for somebody coming into town, aka Jesus. Got your tactical uh, bath ready for the second coming. That's pretty sick. <laughs> That's right. You want you want to have a quick baptism right before you see Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just uh, just been prepping for that and, and uh, prepping for this uh, episode and next week's episode. So my my week has been a whole lot of researching. And yeah. cleaning, just just uh, those two things. And I'll tell you what, uh, all work and no play makes uh, Hollywood Steve a dull boy. Oh yeah, is that so? Yeah, yeah. I haven't got, I haven't done much. I mean, I've done a whole lot, but I haven't done much for fun other than uh, play. I played a little bit of Red Dead Redemption too. How about that? That was fun. Okay. Yeah. I think you should get your big wheel out and ride around the hotel. Maybe uh, bounce so. a ball against uh, an Indian tapestry, something like that. Yep. Cool. Yep. That'd be real fun. Maybe I'll just walk around, uh, maybe find a lady in a bathtub, see what happens there. Oh, yeah. Make some friends. This is nice. Make some friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> thing, man. I've been a dang big city boy this week is what I've been. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm, that's right. Which I city? went to the big old city of New York, which is so much better New than York Old York. New York City? Man, the salsa was just divine. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, really? 
<laughs> and New York City salsa, A plus. A plus right there, man. Yeah, we went up uh, with our friends for Kate's birthday. It's her favorite place in the entire world, and there was lots of cool things to do up there. So we just spent like Thursday through Sunday there in the Big Apple. It really kind of struck me that I hadn't been there for fun. I think since Kate lived there, which is to say like almost 20 years ago. Go. Um, I've wow. been through New York yeah. a couple times like on tour, but that's that's mm. different. You know, that's you're kind of stuck in one place. You can't really go around and see the sights and all that. Yeah. So it was fun just to go back for the hell of it, not playing a show or anything. You've been to New York, haven't you? Yeah, I've been there a couple times. I haven't been in, in uh, about 14 years, I don't think. So it's been a while for me as mm. well. Mm-hmm. It's still there, huh? Yeah, it's still there. It's still Wait, they very still got large. pizza? Mm-hmm. They got a pizza pie, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So did you go, I I mean, obviously, you probably got a $5 at Little Caesars. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. We hit every Domino's we could find. Uh, uh-huh. There was a Pizza Hut in Times Square. Fucking yeah. rad. You know, the you best. want to get the local stuff, you know? Yeah, the real good stuff, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, coffee and bagels at Starbucks. You know how Ooh, it goes. yummy. Mm-hmm. The New York bagels. At Starbucks. At Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had an awesome time, man. We had some incredible food and uh which got in the way of my my newly my newly emerged huge holes in my gums because I got my wisdom teeth taken out last week. So, this was me having like a complete meltdown because the morning that we were supposed to be leaving, I uh I wake up, I had to go and run an errand before we got on our flight and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to like look in the mirror to like check the stitches on my wisdom teeth, see how they were like healing up and stuff. Yeah. And there was just like a hole in my bottom left gums that was not there the night before. It's just like a fucking cavern. And uh-huh. I, because I'm an idiot and didn't research any of this stuff, uh, I like instantly panicked. I was like, holy shit. Like Kate had just come in from walking the dogs or something. And I was like, I might need to go to the dentist before we get on this plane. There's a hole in my gums. And she's like, no shit, moron. You had a tooth taken out of there. Right. (laughs) They cut that hole in your gums recently. (laughs) Yeah. There was previously a tooth there about a week before that. Uh (laughs) I don't know why I'm such a moron, dude. But like in my head, I was like, well, they stitched it up. Right. What are these stitches for if not to close up the hole? Right. Yeah. What's the deal with stitches? What's the deal? Yeah, I'm really dumb like that. And then, of course, you know, while we were in New York, I wasn't going to just, like, eat mush all over the city. So I was like, I got to go hard and eat some regular-ass food here Mm -hmm. and just kind of be careful about the way I'm chewing it because I still had the stitches and all that jazz. And uh, went pretty hard. Had myself some alcohol for the first time in, like, a week, which was great. Yeah, And uh, that that made all the food go down a lot easier, I'll tell you that. I bet. I bet it did. (laughs) Did you do anything fun? Dude, we did a lot of things. What were fun, other than just yeah. eating and drinking and getting food in my my gum holes? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, we went. I guess that was Friday night because yeah, that was Kate's birthday to Madison Square Garden, where I have MSG. never been before, uh-huh. to watch Rage Against the Machine, who I'd never seen before. Okay. Okay. Holy shit, man. Okay, so Run the Jewels was the opener. All right. I bet, That's kind of cool. Yeah, but that was a, a fun time. And dude, now, let me rage? before we oh talk God. about rage. How was that Madison Square Garden experience? Huh? Was it nice, dude? Did I gotta you like tell the you, 
I was surprised by how little um, vegetables there were in the garden. I didn't see like what? a zucchini or a tomato plant. I didn't even see a tomato huh. cage anywhere. The whole garden thing is really a lie. Motherfuckers. I know. All right. Well, okay. Let's hear then about Rage Against the Machine. The Raging second Against a here. Machine. Dude, <laughs> so here's the thing, man. I was really concerned that it was going to be kind of sad and that I'd watch them and be like, man, I missed them 20 years after they were in their, their fighting weight, you know? 2022, okay. that band has been around for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, dude, Tom Morello is 58 fucking years old. Old man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Guy is almost 60. And um, at this time on this tour, Zach De La Roca had like torn a, a hamstring earlier on in the tour. Oh, okay. So he had to do the entire show like sitting on a milk crate. <laughs> All right. They absolutely fucking murdered it. It was awesome. Insane. Absolutely insane. I've never seen anybody sitting on a box go so hard as Zach Taylor Roca. <laughs> and dude, Tom Morello and uh, Timmy C, all those guys, man. All the guys in the band still play with as much intensity and passion as they did, you know, 20 years ago. It's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. They sounded awesome. fucking awesome. They played like everything that I wanted to see. Yeah. And uh, sound and stuff was fucking fantastic, man. A lot of times those arena shows are just a big reverby, washy mess, and it sucks. Okay. Sound was spot the fuck on, man. It was it was killer. We had an awesome time. I will pay whatever I need to to see them anytime they're around us. Oh, okay. So and also, it, too, you like, you know, the cool thing about it is, as well, is that they, they were doing, like, a I think, like, a three-night residence at Madison Square Garden. And they raised like a million dollars for like local, like homeless uh, food, uh, food banks and stuff. Oh, cool. A million bucks. Good for them. That's a whole lot of money. Yeah. Whole lot of money, man. They're raging against the machine and putting some food in some bellies. How about that? I think that's part of raging against the machine is putting food in belly. So ah, yeah, I'm glad it's hard they, to rage they actually the machine on an empty stomach. Yeah, I mean we've always known this about Rage Against the Machine. They they walk the walk as well as talking the talk. So yeah, 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 badass, fucking mm. awesome, man. And uh, the next day, I think it was the next day, we got to go see the uh, the Broadway production of Beetlejuice. Oh, I bet that was terrible, huh? <laughs> oh, dude, it was just awful, just yeah. terrible. No, it was great. I've heard it's great, yeah. It's kind of like a little bit of a modern update on the original. Like, mm-hmm. there's some changes and stuff, and it's definitely set in modern times. Uh, but it all works really well. It kind of had the vibe of being sort of in between the movie and the cartoon and some kind of oh, modern okay. update on it. Yeah. It was hilarious. It was pretty filthy. The set design and everything was insane, man. So cool. Do you know, uh, I've heard the guy who originated the role... Um, like pre-pandemic, it was great. Do you know if it was him? I don't know if it was the same guy or not, but okay. this guy was fucking awesome. Like, awesome. if he doesn't cool. become like a movie star, I'll be shocked. Cool, cool, badass stuff, man. Badass man. stuff. So, so Kate had a good birthday. Oh yeah, that's a pretty damn that's good cool. birthday, and she uh, she shared it with everybody, which was pretty fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I also had me a little bitty birthday myself. That's um, true. You're a birthday boy, huh? Yep. <laughs> Didn't do anything really uh emily worked because as i said we have a friend coming in from out of town who's going to be here with us for a week so we're uh that that's basically my birthday celebration 
So uh, it was me alone watching um, Aliens, and then uh, I also ate uh, steak. So that was good. I'm just saying that sounds pretty fucking great. Yeah, it actually, it, honestly, I, I like alone time, and I like a steak, and I like a movie. So it really turned out just fine up? for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Reverse sear. Yeah. Put her. Put her. Uh, well, you let let it come up to to room temperature. Of course. Uh, well, honestly, here's what I did. Letting it come up to room temperature, great idea. But I also let it sit on a, a rack in the refrigerator for eight hours to yeah, kind of dry out the outside so you yes. get a good sear. And then, that yeah, good crust it, when it's dry like that, too, keeps it just from brazing yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah, then uh, let it come up to room temperature, put it in the oven, 250 for about 20 minutes. I like it rare. Nice. Uh, pulled it out 45 seconds on either side and then give it about 15 seconds on either edge and boom i got me a nice rare ribeye oh man <laughs> just chilling. Now, yeah let me ask you this what brand of ketchup do you serve with that <laughs> well you gotta go you gotta go heinz i think right yeah exactly dude yeah. any premium steak with with hunt ketchup <laughs> that's a tragedy heinz only right i uh you know um I like to do herbs or, or garlic or something in, in butter. That's why I, I finished this with some uh, some Compound Irish butter, butter yeah. and garlic, uh, and then hit it with some black pepper, and then uh, a little squeeze of lemon. Ooh, mercy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done lemon on there. Yeah, I like I like to add a little bit of acidity, because it's a real huh? rich steak, you know, ribeye. You yeah. got a lot of uh, fat in there. You don't want to go too hard. You don't want to really be tasting a lot of lemon. But mm-hmm. you do want to hit it with something to just kind of cut through all that that rich butter and and uh, beef fat. But man, it was great. I guess now that I think about it, usually we do some sort of lemony veg whenever we do a steak, whether yeah. that be like an arugula yeah. salad or like green beans with lemon or something. So I guess yeah, that does had, make sense for that reason. I also had green beans with some lemon. So there you go, <laughs> yeah, man. Sounds pretty damn good, dude. We had a great steak um, at Quality Meats in New York. I had a. Uh, a hanger steak with these like brandied cherries on it. It was kind of Ooh. a little sweet savory action. Holy shit. Hell <laughs> it was yeah. insane, man. So good. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, so yeah, was, we man. both had great birthday times this weekend. <laughs> Woo. Uh, That's pretty rad. I also watched a couple of movies uh with the the Screaming Chat crew. Yeah. We watched a Highlander 2 on Friday night. Now I ain't never even seen a Highlander one. I don't know nothing about it. Uh, Highlander one's fine. I mean, um, I, I you would have enjoyed it more if you saw it as a kid, but it watches sometimes. It's not terrible. Um, but if you want to watch Highlander two and you haven't seen Highlander one, I recommend watching Highlander two first because Highlander two makes absolutely no sense and it makes less sense if you've seen the first movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It just basically ignores so much about the first movie, and then just adds in a whole bunch of knots. Oh, also, uh, in case there are Highlander two fans out there, because there are uh, several cuts of the movie, we watched the uh, absolutely di- disastrous theatrical cut, Ooh. which makes zero sense it, it really just does not come together as a movie it is just a bunch of events happening <laughs> here's some things that happened highlander yeah. yeah so yeah that's fun 
<laughs> um, and then on Sunday, we watched Double Team with Jean-Claude Van Damme and oh Dennis Rodman. That movie, I forgot that exists. It's, boy, speaking of movies that are just a bunch of events happening, there you go. <laughs> so, I've never watched that whole movie. I've just seen parts of it, and it was specifically at a church trip that we took to our our like youth pastor's like house he had like this really cool kind of like farm that he lived on and we stayed out all night playing like capture the flag in the woods which is fucking sick That's it awesome. honestly had fuck all to do with church right um, and then in the morning for whatever reason he had that movie on <laughs> <laughs> i remember even being like you know however old i must have been 11 or 12 years old and just being like man this seems fucking stupid it is it is. It is very fucking stupid. It's it it has too much exposition to be a, a fun action movie. Um and then also not enough Jean Claude Van Damme uh doing splits. <laughs> well uh, you need that, obviously. But it does have a toe knife. Uh it has a guy with with a knife between his toes trying to stab people. So that's, that's a fun. plus. Okay. Uh, and also Rodman, who is, boy, he's he's something. He's something of an actor, huh? You know what? I wonder why his career didn't continue. I know, right? What is he up to these days, anyway? Um, I mean, he's just Rodmaning. He uh, not long ago. I remember when uh, maybe eight twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. He went to uh, North Korea to hang out with uh, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, that's something that you do. <laughs> Hey, whatever, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Rodman's up to. Just probably living the life, man. Doing something or another, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. I uh, I haven't really had time to watch a damn thing, man, since we got back and all that jazz. It's just been kind of hitting the ground running and uh, not watched a fucking thing, man. But actually, after we record this, I'm gonna go and see Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Oh yeah. Okay. Jenny, which Slates. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard uh-huh. a lot of good stuff about it. This is the last night that Central Cinema in Knoxville is showing it, so it's like, oh shit, want to go, go see this, and so we're okay. kind of working a little bit earlier than planned today to accommodate that, so that's cool that that works out. Hell yeah. Yeah, yes, I, uh, I've, I haven't, I knew that movie came out, and I've seen the, the shorts, Jenny Slate's shorts, and Jenny Slate is hilarious, but I, I hadn't heard anything about it, so can't wait to hear what you think. I'll let you know about it, and I'm also going to let you know about this beer I'm about to get a pull on. How about Uh-oh. it? Uh-oh. Eat right. yourself I've a pull. i got myself a... It's called... I assume it's probably pronounced Taki. T-A-K-I. It's a Japanese-style rice lager from oh, okay. Living Waters Brewing. I've never had anything of theirs, but I do like a nice uh, rice lager. So I was like, well, might as well try this out. Yeah, I also like a rice lager. Living Waters. Did Jesus brew that? I hope not. Why? <laughs> he seems to be more of a wine a specialist, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. That's right. <laughs> I don't really know that that carries over into beer brewing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he turned the the water into wine, and then, like, in an undisclosed chapter, he turned piss into beer. <laughs> be cool, right? And behold, Coors Light. Jesus, the party's like really dying down. All we got is this trough of camel piss, and he's like, I'm on it. <laughs> Boom. This is pretty damn good. This is a nice beer. Like it's it's drier 
than I was expecting. A lot of those rice lagers have like a little bit of sweetness to them, you know? Uh-huh. This has a little bit of a dry citrusy finish to it. It's nicely oh, effervescent nice. and clear. That's pretty damn good. That would be good with a food meal. I like that. I like a I like a beer you can have with a food meal. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one of them right there. I uh, I didn't have a lot of beer in New York because they tell you like for the first week or so after you get your wisdom teeth out, don't drink carbonated stuff because apparently it can like fuck up your fuck up your holes, you know. It can fuck up your holes. Fuck okay. up your holes. Those are doctor's <laughs> words, not mine. <laughs> you want to be careful not to fuck up your holes. Exactly right. But the <laughs> last day we were there, I was like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and go for it. It's been long enough. And I had a Ithaca, I think it's called Ithaca Brewing Flower Power IPA. Ooh. Yeah. God, it was great, man. It was so good. What, what kind of What kind of flower power was it? You know, I ain't really too sure. Hop flower, I reckon. <laughs> the old hop flower. The old hop flower. Yeah, it was killer, man. Really, really, really nice one. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Tell me what, Steve. This movie, what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. is a deuce. <laughs> it is a deuce. It is a deuce. Mm-hmm. Alien That's right. It's not the first deuce. one. It's the deuced one, isn't it? And I'll tell you what. It's not just a deuce. It's a hot deuce. Dude, Jimmy James Cameron, he came into this franchise and just dropped a steaming hot deuce on us, didn't he? He was just like, boom, plop, plop, plop. Yeah, let me plop this movie out on you. Hot Uh deuce. (laughs) Kind of got me thinking about other hot deuces throughout entertainment history, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's the type of thing we might talk about in the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. Woo! Ooh, doing double duty there. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Steaming hot deuces, man. Jimmy James Cameron, he is no stranger to these himself. The guy knows how to sequelize the living shit out of something. I mean, he proved that to us with one of his other absolute hottest deuces he's ever dropped. A Terminator yeah. deuce. Yep. T2. Man, that was a deuce. That thing, steaming hot. Dude, smoldering. You can see the steam just coming off of that thing. <laughs> I think uh, he, let's see, we got him coming into Aliens, his his own franchise, Terminator. He also directed Piranha 2, which yeah, I've Piranha actually Deuce. never seen. <laughs> um, no. But I guarantee it's probably better than Piranha 1, because Piranha 1 is pretty boring. I um, mean, right? Like, it's got to be at least better than that. Yeah, yeah. But definitely not going to hold up against Piranha 3D or Piranha 3DD. <laughs> How have we not done those on the show, dude? I absolutely would do them at the drop of a hat. Piranha 3D is so awesome. It's like maximum summertime fun movie, yeah. too. Yeah, it is. So stupid. Yeah, Terminator 2, though, come on, dude. Like, is there anybody that really stands their ground and they're like, Terminator 1 is better than 2? I think we all like 2 better. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, I mean, James Cameron would probably definitely agree with that. I, I know he was he was worried that terminator wasn't gonna succeed whereas with terminator 2 i don't think he had any worry there it's just like oh no this is gonna be badass yeah yeah (laughs) so fucking good man but that's not the only time the sequel hath overturned the original and surpassed it now is it let me ask you this you ever met a fucking chump on the street who's like best game ever street fighter and they mean the first one fuck no. no way no way you're gonna you you're gonna deuce. you're gonna name a version of Street Fighter two probably right? 
Absolutely so. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite version of Street Fighter Deuce? I, I mean, listen, Street Fighter 2 Turbo is the only one I really know. That's right. And that's yeah. honestly, I think the best one, dude. Like Champion yeah. Edition and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like Super Street Fighter 2 when you add it in. Yeah. You know, Cammy and DJ and all these guys. Right. I don't think it really matched the balance of Street Fighter 2 Turbo. No, I, I still maintain that 2 Turbo is one of the most well-balanced fighting games ever where like really any character can beat any other character's ass right yeah yeah it's it's real fun i have i have played some of the others at other people's houses but the only one i had was super street fighter or street fighter 2 turbo that is and yeah. uh yeah i think that one was, was the best but also i mean if we're talking about fighting game sequels being better than the original mortal kombat 2 no shit, right? That's a right? steaming deuce right there. That is a steaming hot deuce, uh-huh. man. You got all those new characters, some new gameplay mechanics, all the additional fatalities. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It's better. And, and, and yeah, and it, it added like, it, it added some to the, the graphics, but it added more color, which is what I thought it really needed. Because the original yep. was kind of just overly dark most of the time. Yeah, pretty drab. Pretty drab. Yeah. Do you have a, a preferred Mortal Kombat character you beat ass with? Uh, I was always a Sub Zero guy because he looked coolest to me. Uh, yeah. But he also, I mean, his his move set was great, especially mm-hmm. in two when you you could uh, do the the ground freeze as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I always like playing them ninjas as well, man. Usually Scorpion was probably yeah. my go to in all those. Scorpion's awesome. I'm listen. <laughs> I I wish we were doing Mortal Kombat, honestly. And though, Street Fighter. <laughs> oh gosh, they're both so bad. So both of those bad. movies are so bad. <laughs> but you know, honestly, come to think of it, I think most all fighting games, the part two is better than the original. Like Virtua Fighter Two is way better sure. than one. Uh huh. Yeah. Tekken I, yeah, Two I th- step up I think from Tekken so. One. Yeah, but also I haven't played a ton of fighting series beyond the second game. I mean, Mortal Kombat, I've definitely played three and, and four. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I'm not a big fighting game guy. So for me, you know what a big steam-induced video game is? Mega Man 2. Dude. That's Fuck. a hot dude. Yeah, dude. Dude, that like it kept all the tight mechanics and controls and stuff of the OG and then made yep. everything way fucking sicker. The soundtrack yeah. in that game is the best. Yeah. And if somebody was like, oh, actually, I like Mega Man 3 better. It's like, yeah, Mega Man 3 is just Mega Man 2. Like, that. after that, I, yes, I know Mega Man 1 and Mega Man 2 are very similar. But Mega Man 2 is like the standard after that. Like, all yeah. the games were trying to recreate how fun that was and then you get to mega man x and mega man x is awesome as well i love mega man x Uh, remember how weird it was when like mario 2 came out and it's like i don't know pull up these turnips i guess (laughs) yeah because it was a different game just reskinned with mario characters yes what what a weird misstep in like gaming history that was i mean it's still an okay game and i did play it a lot oh yeah i played it Uh uh-huh and i also what yeah it also it was like they did release a, a Mario 2 in Japan that was basically just more levels of the original and harder. Yeah, But they yeah, didn't yeah. think American gamers would like it because it was too hard. <laughs> well. Yeah. I mean, that may have been v- accurate, honestly. Could be, man. Could be. Yeah. 
You know, I'll tell you another video game where the the deuce is better than the Uno. I think yeah. fucking Resident Evil Two back in the day yeah. took everything that I loved about the first one and just made it way sicker. Yeah, I'm not huge on Resident Evil because I never got into the controls, but I do remember two being a much better game. The controls uh, are kind of a mind fuck with that, like you know, you're moving through these stock still panels and your controls will change depending on where the camera angle is and shit. Like, yeah. It is a little bit weird. I still really like the way that, that that mechanic makes you feel and experience the game, though, where you're just on a still shot moving around. So it's like you can't see around the corner. You can't right. see what's around the corner that you're about to go into until serve, the camera angle changes. Yeah, it does serve the horror element. You know, mm-hmm. we could talk on end about second installments of video game series that are amazing. But Ben, what do you know about a hot deuce? I like to call boys two men. Oh, dude! I mean, what That's you're gonna tell me? Boys one men was better. Yeah, right. Nope. Nope. Get out of here, boys one men. They didn't even have a base guy. I bet. Uh uh-uh, uh No. Yeah. Dude, boys all, two men. All treble. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just all treble. Ooh, just sopranos all over the place up in there. Everybody's just trying to sing higher than the next. <laughs> I did enjoy me some boys to men back in the yeah. day. It was kind of boys required, right? Awesome. Yeah, one hundred percent boys to men. Like it, it had, you know, I mean, it was bringing back that uh, sort of kind of fifty sound, a little doo wop in oh, there, yeah. but yeah, also updated. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, boys to men was awesome. It, it was always like a mystery to me because there was that. I don't know, like four or five years where boys and men were just like everywhere, and then it was like gone, nowhere to I be know, seen. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Weird, man. But yeah, that shit was fucking jamming back in the day. As was like, let's say the sequel to Legit. Too legit. <laughs> too legit. Too quit. That's a double Dude. deuce. Somebody at one point back in Covered Wagon Times was like, legit quit. He finally reached that level where he was working on something. He's like, you know what? This is legitimate, so I will cease participating in it. Right. And then it it took eons for Hammer to come onto the scene and be like, oh, right. it's too legit? You're too legit to quit. You must continue. <laughs> it's way better than just quitting, right? Listen, that is a hot deuce right there. The guy Seriously. coming in, motivating you a little bit to maybe not quit just because it was legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- honestly, thank you, Hammer. Yeah, thank you, Hammer, for continuing to keep us working past the point of legitimacy. <laughs> to push through the legitimacy point. Yeah. And just keep going. Exactly. Just because you're legitimate does not mean you should cease. You should continue on. Just because you're at the finish line don't mean you stop. Yeah. That, there impressed. is that old, old saying... He who is too legitimate should not then liquidimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it is said. Mm-hmm. It is known. Not mm-hmm. just pretty words. Not just beautiful words. Just mm-hmm. absolute gorgeous poetry. Now, I'll tell you what. Another hot deuce, although maybe maybe a hot deuce in a different kind of way, because mm-hmm. I do think it's a steaming pile of shit. Right. I really think that you two just should have stopped at you one. <laughs> Stay home, boys. Listen, you didn't need a sequel. <laughs> stay, we don't need stay more. You won. Yeah. 
We're fine over here. You right. won. That would have been just fine right there. Man, that band sucks, dude. <laughs> I do not hate them, but I absolutely um, think everybody who says that they suck is probably correct. <laughs> They're not wrong, but, right. you know, yeah. not a fan. Not a fan at all, man. You know what, though? It, I mean, if, if we are talking about you, too, in regards to them... A hot deuce is the podcast you talking you two to me. What is which that? Which is Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott talking about you two albums, and it's very. I mean, it is very much a you two podcast, but not exactly because they are mm. weirdos. Uh, <laughs> well, the yeah. absolute best episode is an episode where they did a commentary on another episode, and they have five people doing commentary over the top of another episode. It's insanely hilarious. Probably one of the like funniest episodes of a podcast I've ever heard. Wow. So that's a hot deuce. That's a pretty hot deuce right there, man. You know, I think in, in the musical world, I'm glad that Van Halen didn't stop with one, because Van Halen 2, fucking oh, masher, hell dude. yeah. There you go. Masher. I mean, listen... If you if they had stopped at one, it would have been like, well, that was a good album. Wish yeah, you heard well, that more. Was the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but then the here fact it comes. kept going. Woo, man! Same with the Led <laughs> Zeppelin too. Come on, yeah. what you know about Heartbreaker, son? What do I know? Listen, Led Zeppelin two. Uh, all I mean, I can't remember everything that was on one, but Led Zeppelin two is an awesome al- album. Yeah. It's crushing, man. I love that song where Robert Plant says "baby" like a bunch of times. Ooh, oh, you know what? I also like that song where he says baby, but he says it like a lot of times. Baby, 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 baby. <laughs> okay, honestly, I think that most of his lyrics were written on the spot as he was recording, right? Oh, like, I most believe of them that. Yeah. Don't mean a goddamn thing. Yeah. Or even rhyme most of the time until they're like absolutely mind-blowingly sick, like cashmere and shit. Right. A lot of those other ones, though, I think were probably just written on the spot. Yeah, except for everything about uh, Lord of the Rings was probably written meticulously. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's the stuff that matters, right? Right, yeah. Obviously, dude. Now, what do you know about a time that we had a Bush as president and then we had a <laughs> sequel to that? What do you think about a W, huh? Okay, well, that was a hot, hot deuce in a different way. <laughs> But it was one of the hottest deuces of all time. <laughs> it was smoldering, dude. You, you know what? You can't help but respect it because it was so hot of a deuce. Yeah, yeah, just steaming, just steaming. Because the the original was bad. It was and bad. And here comes the sequel, even worse. Even worse. War yeah. criminal shit, dude. How about that? Yeah. I mean, the original was a war criminal. So this one was like, you know what? Got to up the game. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna start I was openly about to torturing. Say, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that like every president we have had in our lifetimes has been a war criminal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. all since, of them. Yes, because since since Reagan, for sure, every single one of them um has been, it's a been war blowing criminal, up so. civilians in the Middle East and stuff. So yeah. yeah. So we have not lived under a non war criminal president. Huh. It's wild. I would love to have a leader for our country that did not blow people up right (laughs) yep yep yeah i think yeah it would be interesting to just set as a baseline like oh okay but you're not gonna explode people right okay right yeah 
that would be rad if that was like some of the questions in the next like you know big big like presidential debates yeah. and stuff that we have before are you the next gonna election. explode people right yeah are you gonna explode them mm-hmm. tell me this you gonna explode yeah. them and, be and if they say they are it should be questioned like why yeah yeah like why why do that why explode future people? president gonna be like yeah might explode them might explode them <laughs> might explode them why because exploding's fun exploding makes me feel good exploding makes me feel good exploding makes me money <laughs> oh, jesus I would but really yeah. love for so the that's next a hot president right there. to, you know, invest our our money and tax dollars into America and sure. not into exploding non-Americans. That's yeah. my platform. Yeah, and maybe just make it illegal for corporations to buy houses, just so I'd people can. I don't know, maybe have a place to live. I don't know. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about? Like, let's say maybe the second coming of Jesus. That's a sequel worth talking about, right? <laughs> He's coming back. He's coming back. And from what I hear, it's going to be it's gonna be rapturous, right? <laughs> uh, maybe uh, he can turn all the piss into beer before he leaves. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, so his second coming is supposed to bring a big old cleansing fire to burn the whole earth or whatever. It's supposed to be preceded by a whole lot of bad shit. But because it's preceded by all the bad shit, it's going to be pretty cool, right? I guess that's the idea. No more bad shit. It sort of sounds like a ton of bad shit and the world being on fire is kind of happening in slow motion right now. What? You you know what? Must be because Jesus coming back. I don't know if you heard this. (laughs) This is a thing, right? Where like now Republicans are embracing just the idea like, well, okay, maybe global warming is is happening. So what? Just means Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Sick, dude. Yeah, into the world. It's cool. <sighs> oh, people are the worst. People. Uh, real yeah, bad. no second coming of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, one first off, already disappointing. It's it's like it's like James Cameron's Avatar sequels. What, what, is it really ever going to happen? Right. And also. Do we want it to? <laughs> Do we want that to happen? Right. Right. Yeah. That's a questionable one, honestly. I'm not really hot sure deuce. how hot that deuce is. Mm. Maybe a cold deuce there. That might be like a freezing cold deuce. Oh, yeah. 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 Might you don't be one want of that. those. Yeah. Tepid deuce. <laughs> what do you know about the sequel to your teeth? You were born with just them little, little bit, little bit, little bitty, teeny, tiny, teeny. little, little yeah. baby, little baby, baby chicken teeth. teeth. I said so eloquently just now. You did, and now, and now we got regular old adult, adult chompers. The sequel to baby teeth. I mean, honestly, how long did them little old tiny baby teeth you had stick around before they just up and disappointed you and fell out? <laughs> Bunch of quitters. I think they thought they were legit, so they quit. <laughs> That was probably it. They hadn't yet we heard MC Hammer's philosophy on things. So they just gave mm-hmm. up. I think so. Bye. I do think adult teeth for sure are a hot deuce. Yeah. Because, like, can you imagine Whole if you still had baby teeth in an adult mouth? No. It looks so silly, dude. It looked really... <laughs> actually, you know what? It might be hilarious. It might be. I'm seeing it now. It is kind of fun. Yeah, I kind of want... I want to see somebody with teeny tiny little baby. And I want them to not be like 
spaced because of the size. I want them to stay right next to each other. Ooh, and yeah. Then, but the mouth is gigantic. <laughs> I like how this sounds. <laughs> I can't lie. I do like how that sounds, yeah. although I do appreciate, <laughs> as I currently do, having a mouthful of hot deuces. <laughs> Just full, you know. This is this the sequels is for so sure. Much better. The best uh, preview palace in a while. <laughs> Definitely the best thing we could have thought of for one of like the greatest movies ever made, exactly. right? Yeah, completely. What yeah. else would we have done? No, I don't Come know. On. Hot deuces. Hot deuces. Yep. <laughs> Although I will say, my my wisdom teeth were in the other way a hot deuce. What a pile of shit those oh, things were. Yeah. Who needs them? Who needs I them? I evicted those motherfuckers. That's the sequel to Adult Teeth. Wisdom Teeth. <laughs> yeah, part three, not so not much, so right? Not so cool, yeah. Should have stopped at part two. I'm pretty sure that you're right there, man. Hey, number two? Who does number two work for anyway, right? <laughs> number two in Austin Powers is a hot deuce. I mean, he's Rob Hunk. Lowe when he's young, and then he's... Woo. Is it Robert Ulrich when he's an adult? Anyway, he's a handsome man. That's a Always. hot deuce right there. It's true. That is definitely a hot deuce. Uh, and yeah, again, that movie still fucking holds yeah. up. Still very funny. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of other deuces through history that we've had. Two chains, definitely <laughs> cooler than chains, right? Actually, wait, is is chains Alice in Chains? Because if that's the case, Alice in Chains is definitely way better than well, the sequel. Okay, two so Two Chains is technically the sequel to himself because his original rap name was Titty Boy. No way. Are you serious? Yeah. So he's titty boy. He is a double deuce in in that respect because <laughs> the two chains is the sequel and it's two chains. Whoa! Yeah, t- I think his next name should be Double Deuce. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Titty boy probably not going to get a lot of radio play because you can't say titty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Damn, I did not know that about <laughs> you. Him. Want I hottest deuce out there? Are you ready for this? And it's it's Tell it's me. the deuce in the bad way. Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. You know, I always heard that was not enjoyable. I, I mean, listen, it's the sequel to Deuce Bigelow, American Gigolo, so it can't be it can't be too good. That's true. That's a double deuce. That's a double. Honestly, it's a Deuce Bigelow. It's a sequel, and it's shit. That's a triple double wow. right there. That's the old triple double. Uh-huh. You might be right. <laughs> Unheard of. The rarely seen triple double, but <laughs> fucked around and got a triple first. double. Exactly right, man. Damn. What about that, huh? <laughs> so many hot deuces in the world. We want to hear about your favorite hot deuces over on our social yeah. media feeds, our Instagram, our Facebook group. You guys can find all those on our link tree. Link, link tree. Forward Find us. You'll find everything that you need to hang out with your boys, including that that lovely and highly valued Patreon account where we just dropped a new Patreon-exclusive episode yeah. about that parade. Parade, yeah. We dropped the uh, the spoiler-free uh, bit on, on the old regular feed, so if you want to get a taste of it, it's over there. Uh, but then, yeah, the, the full episode, we went, we went about 45 minutes on Prey and mm-hmm. uh, had a good bit to say, so go check her out. That's right. That's right. Now I'll tell you what the subject of today's episode is: one aliens deuce, aliens deuce, uh-huh. that, which, which James Cameron apparently would love to hear you saying. 
Yeah, he would love, <laughs> love to hear that. Apparently yeah. he hates the idea of that. Alien 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I will say it is kind of confusing that it was like alien, aliens. Alien, alien 3. Alien 3. Right? <laughs> you know? Well, it's because, I, I mean, we're, we're going to talk a, a good bit about how much uh, Fox sucks. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, but... I, Eat my shorts, Fox. Yeah, I, I think they... Man, they they like to keep a tight leash on everything involved with this franchise, uh, and yeah, Alien Alien Three, real. I mean, we'll do it one day, but it, it's a, I think it's a pile of shit. I I know some people like it because there's just like there is some really cool stuff in it, but when you yeah. know that like it, it's just all studio interference and whatnot, it's just like ugh. Whatever. Well, even like learning about you know the stuff going into this movie, where Fox was like, "We don't need to get Ripley yeah. back in here. We don't. We don't need Sigourney Weaver. That's not why people watch the movie. It's like, oh, you guys completely don't fucking get the point of any of this shit. Then. It, none of it. It's not even that. It's that everything, every single dealing they have in, in relation to Alien and Aliens." is all about leverage like everything they said and like not even trying to get Sigourney Weaver is like well she'll want money because if we can't do it without her then she'll know that she can actually get money and it's like well, oh no she knows she has value yeah no. it's all about devaluing everybody <laughs> and devaluing the French I mean the the first movie was an 11 million dollar budget made 108 million dollars and they Fox claims that it it lost money what? Yeah, that I don't think the math checks out that's there. That's that Hollywood math. You got to check in on that Hollywood math where they can Come just on. say, "Oh, you know what? Actually, though, we spent ninety million dollars advertising it, so we don't owe you that percentage that's in your contract because it didn't make any money." Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. And then, damn, dude. Yeah, that that's. I mean, that, it's just a. It, it makes all the sense in the world that the Alien franchise continually shits the bed <laughs> yeah after this it does yes. right yeah this was it's like forever since i did three i need to watch that again i i remember like the whole like hybrid alien thing being cool that is it's, like cool. the bull alien yeah. and all that shit yeah there is some really cool don't stuff in much there else. but it, yeah it mm. just kind of loses its way but i i think that uh yeah i think cameron like if you had had any director other than cameron on this I don't know if you would have ever gotten a good alien sequel because he, I know, he, right? he was so like obsessive and bullheaded and he had Galen heard to run interference with the studio and stuff. And they, they really pushed this movie through. Uh, and I mean, in some ways we'll talk about that. I, I don't like, but they, they made this movie, uh, through sheer force of will in some ways, like $18 million. Oh, yeah. To see a movie now with fully practical effects, what is it? We're we're twenty six years later, thirty six years later, um, thirty six years later, Unreal. watching this fucking movie, it looks amazing on an eighteen yeah. million dollar budget. Knowing that that was the budget and that is all they had to work with, and they were able to get that kind of cast, which I, I know that like. You know, a lot of those stars that are in this movie are now like household names and they weren't necessarily back then, but they were still obviously extremely talented, skilled actors and actresses. Plus, 
as you said, all those visual effects and everything right. that are uh, obviously showing themselves to be future proof. Like yeah. you watch this movie and you're still like, I don't know how they did this. Right. And then you find out they did it for 18 million bucks. Yeah. That is utterly insane. It is. Like there's, there's no way if you handed me $18 million that I could reproduce this or even adjust that for inflation. Yeah. Even that whatever be. that would be now. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know how you find the people to do it. Even <laughs> that would be able to yeah. put these miniatures together and to, put together all these different effects and, and mask them well and shoot them and light them so well that everything blends together perfectly. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. But you know, really the reason that I couldn't accomplish that is because I don't have the top to bottom knowledge of how movies are made. Like James Cameron does. The fact yeah. that that guy could basically walk onto any movie set and take anybody's job and yeah. do it better than them. Yeah. Also means except that he knows actor. the way to get... Except an <laughs> actor, <right>. yeah. <laughs> like, he knows the most efficient way to get all of this stuff done. Like, I'm sure there weren't necessarily a lot of, you know, prototypes and troubleshooting going on because right. he was like, I know exactly how we need to do this. Make it this way. Like, even whenever they were talking about how, like, the other side of the... What's the name of the ship? Salaka... Salantro? Sol- the Salantro <laughs> ship? Salako? Something like that, yeah. Go ahead. How, like, he told the visual effects guys, like, don't even put details on the other side. I'm not shooting the other side. Yeah. It's stuff like that where he knows exactly what he's doing, so he knows exactly what to tell people what he needs, and so it's getting everything done more efficiently and cheaper and in a faster time span than anybody else could. The fact that this movie didn't go over budget or over calendar is utterly insane. Utterly insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, there's some issues with that. So, like, th- yeah. this, <laughs> th- let's just get into pre-production before we get into the, the production, though. This is, interestingly, this is written um, after Terminator had been written... Uh, uh, we Cameron did like a a, a fourteen or, or something or maybe it was forty page treatment of this on assignment and it didn't really catch on with the the executives. Um, but once he got Terminator into production and Terminator was a success, they had him like do some some rewrites and he, he gave him a ninety page uh, uh, script. That was apparently not even, it was like right up to act two. So like he had a ton of detail in his mind Whoa. Uh, and yeah. they, they did some, some finagling and whatnot to eventually, you know, get, get to uh, a good script. And, um, there was just so much like, if it weren't for Galen Hurd and James Cameron, knowing the value of James Cameron after Terminator and butting heads with Fox over and over and over, this movie would not have been anything like what it is. Like Fox didn't yeah. want uh, to pay Sigourney Weaver. Um, they didn't want, uh, you know, to, to pay for all these effects. They offered them like $12 million budget or something after they had offered to do it for 15 million. And like, each time these things kind of came up, J- uh, James Cameron and Galen Hurd would be like, okay, we're going to walk away. We just won't make the movie. 
Uh, yeah. And, How about that? And because they had that sort of capital, and because they had uh, a producer at um, Fox who really believed in what they their vision of the movie. Uh, each time that they kind of butted heads with Fox, they got what they wanted. Now they never got an appropriate budget. 18 million really is not an appropriate budget when your previous movie was made for 11 and made $108 million. Like you, you think you'd put a little more made how many years earlier? Yeah. It was like 79. Yeah. So yeah, that was like a, we've had like a seven year gap between the, the sequels. So like you could be making money is the point. So just put the money into the budget. Um, but yeah, all, all that, like, that kind of set up the the potentiality of this actually coming together, and then they decide to to shoot in uh, in uh, England at Pinewood Studios uh, because there was like some tax incentive. But of course, that meant they had to they had to cast like actors who were connected to British theater, or at the very least, look at actors connected to British theater. So. There was a long casting process and stuff, but we finally, you know, get this specific cast, which includes Sigourney Weaver, who got a million dollars. She actually did get paid for this. Um, Tight. Which, like, she didn't get paid much for the first one. Um, They they brought in uh, James Remar to play Hicks. Uh, and of course he, he ends up getting replaced with Michael Bean, who I, I thought was pronounced Bane, but I watched the documentary about the making of, and they kept saying bean. So I don't know. Huh? <laughs> anyway, I've never been sure about that. I'm, either. Yeah. No. Still not sure. Um, uh, they bring in Paul riser who at that point had only done, uh, smaller parts. Like he was in diner and, uh, fuck Beverly Hills cop. So, really? Yeah. So th- this is Paul riser pre, uh, my two dads and pre mad about you. And you know, now stranger things and stuff. Um, also you bring in Lance Henriksen, who had been originally the James Cameron's ideal Terminator. Um, he finally got to be a robot. robot. Yep. (laughs) Uh, they, they cast Bill Paxson, of course, uh, who had worked on Terminator and was, you know, had, had a relationship with, with James Cameron. Uh, and Jeanette Goldstein, who was not an actress, she was—I mean, she was doing some like fringe theater stuff, um, but she she hadn't done any any roles up to that point. And really? same for Carrie Hinn, the uh, girl who plays Newt. She was cast specifically because uh, she didn't have acting experience, so she acted more like a real kid, <laughs> and that's what yeah. they wanted. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, you got, you, you put together this cast that when we look at it now, uh, you know, Michael, Michael B and Paul Reiser, Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein, like these are names all throughout the eighties and nineties in all sorts of movies. Oh yeah. They were in every fucking movie, dude. But at this time with a low budget, putting together this cast works out just fine (laughs) because, you know, other than Michael Bean in, in Terminator, um, everybody else hadn't had a major role. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Paxton had the role in Weird Science as the brother, so I guess that was his biggest role up to that point. But wow, other than that, he'd only been you know small small stuff. So yeah, you know. And then a lot of these people ended up working with each other in a bunch oh, of other movies. Yeah. I mean, after this, like Near Dark, Near Dark, yeah. Uh, 
which uh, again connected to James Cameron because he was dating Catherine Bigelow at the time and helped her to get near dark together. Oh yeah, and that's right. Th- yeah, so these three, Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein, end up being in Near Dark. Uh, uh, some of them were in like Lethal Weapon two together. You know, we got uh, Bill Paxton is in everything in the eighties and nineties, right? Shit, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mike, Michael, uh, Michael Bean and Bill Paxton were both in Tombstone together. Michael Bean, man, that guy is in. Michael Bean was in Tombstone. He's in so much shit you don't remember him being in, <laughs> like. Seriously, dude, when we started watching this, Kate and I were both like, I don't remember dude from Terminator being yeah. in this movie yep. as Hicks. He and, and yeah, he's a recast, but he's perfect. And he, that's the thing I think is really good about him is he can be like a strong character, but also blend in. Uh, he can blend into the background, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the most important thing that all these people worked on together is the music video for Reach <laughs> by Martini Ranch, directed by James Cameron. Okay, so I was introduced to Martini Ranch because uh, our friends on the Sale of Satan podcast talk about it all the time. Uh-huh. Martini Ranch is an 80s band that have they have a record. What's it called? It's like cow cow something i can't remember what it's called but just go on spotify look at martini ranch you'll find it it is so fucking great it is like bill paxton mm-hmm. and like members of the b52s <laughs> and i think a couple other musicians in a fucking band and it's and it's, it's this pretty weird, fucking cool <laughs> it's really cool yeah. it's super 80s yeah. it's like kind of funny and stupid but like the tunes are really sick. The production is really good. I always really loved the way those chicks in B fifty two sang. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. on all that stuff. Watch that music video for Reach. It is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. It, is. it makes no sense. It is directed by James Cameron, and it has all these people in it. It's very silly. It's great, man. Such good stuff, dude. When you think about that cast, yeah, and when you think about that budget in comparison to Alien, you said Alien was eleven million bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had one alien. Right. It essentially just had one set. Like the yeah. Nostromo is really where the entire movie takes place. Well, you got the sets on on the the planet. Um, yeah. But LV. Yeah, but those. It, yeah, that's that's really it. It's just those two places, and this is way more sets, way more different backgrounds and things going on. Uh, way, way more, more aliens, aliens way more uh-huh. guns and explosions like yeah. there's really I'm trying to remember is there any gunplay at all in alien no, i no. don't think so no, because yeah. they're not fighters no. they're just fucking no. workers yeah they're um that's something that um sigourney weaver actually had a little issue with because she's she's very anti-gun to see yeah, coming onto this set that it's all guns you know but i mean i think there's yeah. still i mean we'll talk about the meaning behind all this, but there's obviously, this is obviously not a celebration of these soldiers. It's no, yeah. It's more of a setup of like, like these, these are people who've seen everything and done everything put into this situation where they don't know what the fuck to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they're just getting shredded by this corporation that sent them there. That does not fucking care. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Cause they just want profits on this. thing, man, Dude, when is the first time that you watched this movie? Is this yeah, one of those ones you just always remember? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah I remember uh, Alien and Aliens um, really well as a kid watching, but I don't uh, remember Alien as well as this one. Uh, this mm-hmm. one was the one that, you know, I mean, uh, 
I've said before, like, you know, my, my favorite movies as a kid was like Predator, Running Man, Commando. I liked stuff with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I liked action movies. Uh, I liked guns. I liked, you know, blowing stuff up, et cetera. So shit blowing up is sick. Yeah. So alien as a kid was, was less cool though. I still liked it. Aliens though. Uh, loved, absolutely loved. I, I loved anything with Bill Paxton as a kid. I was a big fan of weird science. <laughs> well, he's basically a living cartoon character, so it's easy for kids to like he's him. He's right? got a cartoon face, like he makes like facial expressions, and his reactions are just like that's what a cartoon character would do. It's it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, way over the top. He's got that gap between his yeah. teeth and stuff. He just looks like a cartoon. He really character, does. He? he does. Yeah. I think I was probably pushing twenty when I saw this for the first time. Like, you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of. Uh, more like R-rated movies right, yeah. when I was a kid, just because we were pretty sheltered. But I do remember being introduced to this franchise because the fucking action figures were sick as shit. Do you remember <laughs> like the commercials? Yes. Where it had like that huge voiceover that was like, aliens. Yes. <laughs> what a weird thing that like, I mean, because I did watch it as a kid and I knew a ton of other kids who watched it. But it's yeah. not a kid's movie. Like, it's not something... No. It's not something you would openly today like make toys for four kids but in 1986 yeah. it was like well we're gonna make toys right <laughs> obviously well but also too it's like when you look at the designs of everything in the movie whether it be you know the ships the aliens the the damn like uh steady cam mounted like gatling oh, guns yeah. on these characters uh-huh. those all look like things that you're like dude i would love to fucking play yeah. with that in the bathtub that's cool action you know? figure stuff yeah <laughs> yeah like they're totally made to be action figures yeah. for sure uh i remember though whenever i had those figures as a kid like i had several of the of the xenomorphs and a couple of the 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 marines too uh-huh. because like they all got their own figures but i remember it was so weird because i didn't know the story of of any of these characters or anything maybe you did this with some of your stuff when you were a kid where you just kind of like make up stories about what you think that character was probably about i did that with gi joe because i didn't really watch gi joe that much (laughs) yeah and i mean it's not like we could fucking look up the wikipedia on the movie or anything back then so you just kind of like make up stuff about like this is a pone he has this kind of gun for this reason Uh i don't know why Somehow that was just how we how we lived with these things back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. But I remember whenever I saw this the first time, I was I was just fucking blown away. Like I remember watching Alien first. Maybe I watched Aliens first. Honestly, I'm trying to remember. It might have been like Terminator. Like most of us saw Terminator two before one, right? I I yeah, I think a certain generation, yeah. Uh, I did yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was like years until I watched the first Terminator. Right. Maybe I watched Aliens before the first one. I really don't remember, but I remember back in the day, like you, I liked Aliens better because there was more action right. and more shit blowing up. I, I don't think I really appreciated the the slow burn, the tension, the sense of doom and dread and uh, foreign alienness that the original has. I think that nowadays, uh, just let's count out of the bag. I think that. I think nowadays I like Alien better. I, I think agree. that yeah. claustrophobic, slow yeah. burn sort of thing just really gets good to me. So I think I like the original probably better, but they're honestly so different that it's not really worth comparing, yeah. frankly. Yeah, it is It is just like... Um, and and it, Alien movies should be this way 
because xenomorphs don't have like uh, a goal except to spread like yeah it, it really always should just be people accidentally ran across them <laughs> and that's what that's what this and alien feel like is these people accidentally ran across this they didn't expect what they were gonna get uh but the yeah. this is the 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 fact that they always connect it with sigourney weaver i think in this makes sense after this it would have made more sense for them to move beyond that and just have more like oh fuck we accidentally found this planet full of aliens <laughs> like oh fuck aliens again yeah yeah I was thinking about that while I was watching this movie where I was like, you know, it's really fascinating that these xenomorphs are, you know, one of the one of the best creatures in film history. Absolutely. Like one of the ultimate baddies. Yep. But like in reality, they're no more villainous than than Jaws. Nope. Like Jaws didn't operate with intent. Like, I'm gonna ruin your fucking day and eat your <laughs> kid, Miss Kittner. I'm gonna you. ruin like, Fourth of it's July. Just an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like these these xenomorphs are just animals. Yep. Like they are not villainous. They're not malicious in any way. I mean, that even even the queen alien is just trying to fucking make babies at yep. the end of the day. Like it's not it's not a villain. It's monstrous and it's scary because you know the human brain hates things that it can't identify right. immediately. But at the end of the day, there's not really a bad guy in the xenomorphs. It's the people trying to profit off of these aliens it's like capitalism is actually the bad guy in alien and aliens yes i like watching it this time um i noticed like the first thing we're dealing with is a corporation telling ellen ripley that she owes them 42 million dollars yeah yeah blowing up your ptsd that basically and all of your dead crewmates yeah like it, she saved she saved them like she saved humanity and she should be a hero right, right? but no not to the money is what matters so and now their their goal here in going out to this colony is not to save anybody uh no. it's to go and get this xenomorph for their bioweapons division so yeah capitalism is is the evil in this <laughs> like i think it's even the first line of the movie right whenever it, it it starts off on the nostromo and we get that door being like you know uh cut open right. and really dude, cool. i love when that like sentry droid like uh-huh. floats in there and it's scanning with the laser yeah. and all the the copious amounts of smoke that are in the entire movie it makes that cool like swirly pattern yes. on the laser yes it does it's fucking rad but then whenever that guy walks in and finds Ripley in the uh, the hypersleep pod, isn't he like, well, there goes our investment or something like that? Yeah, He's I, like, oh, shit. There goes our salvage. a person alive in here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, right away. They're disappointed. Yeah, it, it is about, it, it is very much about uh, capitalism and the de, like, the de-individualization uh, that occurs in unregulated capitalism. I mean, because these... These people that work for Wayland Corporation, they're in space. They have no one to turn to. Wayland Corporation has its own army. Like they have their own yeah. military. They 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 are just servants. She will be working for Wayland until she dies in space. It, it, they can enforce their will without anybody stopping them. And, and it, it in that way, this is like 
RoboCop. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is then her, Ellen Ripley, uh, being put into this position of having to having to help this corporation being, I guess, alienated from other people, but then finding a connection with the space Marines, because just like yeah. her, they're just, they're just in with whaling corporation. There's regular people. Well, they're, they're workers. They're just you workers. Know, they're, they're workers yeah. the same way that her crew was as well. These are just blue collar people making a living right. so that that's something i really got out of this too is like initially whenever you have that boardroom meeting debriefing kind right. of thing like all those guys are super disrespectful to ripley like they don't believe shit that she says she's like uh, no i literally saw an alien and they're like ah eh, we've never seen one so yeah that didn't happen yeah. you're making this up you owe us money like they don't respect her what so fucking ever but then you're right as soon as she's like around these marines even like apone the like right. you know uh, sergeant guy uh-huh. and she starts operating that power loader he's instantly like awesome he's like okay put that over on that dock please he even says please to her Uh it's like instant like respect you're one of us you work yeah and that that connection uh is is so important i think because uh we're we're being you know we're being shown paul riser who's this like cute innocent looking man uh we don't know until much later he's the villain uh, what a great villain. Right? What a great heel turn that is, yes. man. Because even though, you know, we know him now as mad about you and stuff. Oh, yeah. and he's But back then, yeah. it's like you said, he's just an innocent looking, nice guy uh-huh. looking dude. And then he turns out to be the one. Dude, whenever he like, he sees Ripley and Newt about uh-huh. to get attacked by that face hugger on that monitor and he just turns it off. Yep. It's like, you piece of fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, he's terrible. And they do such a great, great job turn. of like making him terrible like having him like close the door on ripley and newt and like yeah all that all the stuff that like they they did such a good job of establishing the corporation is the evil uh mm-hmm. and the, in that way it's like this uh the xenomorphs are reclaiming from the corporation that which they're they're stealing uh, so yeah. the 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 xenomorphs aren't even entirely the villain. It's just that we do care about um, Newt and we do care about Ripley. So yeah. now at the end, when they're in danger, it's like okay, now yes, now I want to see the xenomorphs like punished or whatever. I want to see them stopped. But before that, it's just like. Oh wow, this is like just bleak because it's these poor workers who have no other choice being thrown to these xenomorphs who are just doing what they do. Like yeah. <laughs> it's this evil corporation making this happen. <laughs> well, and also too, you know, Ripley's personal ties to the way that these xenomorphs have destroyed so much in her life right. and as she sees so much of Newt's life too yeah. becomes the real motivation for her being like these things need to be exterminated fuck this company that wants to make money off of these things yeah. these xenomorphs only lead to death and mayhem yeah. and ruined lives yep. now the cut that i watched which is the one that's streaming right now on i think stars uh-huh, is that right yeah uh huh okay we were watching this the other night and it got through the entire intro part 
and it's it, it doesn't have the scene where they tell Ripley that her daughter is is dead yeah. because she's been in hypersleep 50 something years they show her this old ass picture of her daughter right. and they're like well she's already passed away um it didn't have that scene in there like it got past that part and i was like i swear i remember there being a part where they told her about her her daughter being dead yeah. which is ultimately the result of her being in hypersleep for so long after this um confrontation with the alien because of wayland yutani right. like Wayland Utani ruined her fucking life. Well, the uh, as did these aliens. That scene is only in the director's cut. Uh, so I wish that it would have been in there, man. Uh, yes, I think it should be in there because it 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 changes the implications of the final fight, and it really, really does. Yeah, yes. like she Ripley is a mother. She's she's not being yeah. mothering because she's a woman and there's a child, and that's how it feels. Yeah, whenever you. Whenever you watch the theatrical cut that doesn't have the inclusion of her dead daughter, you are just kind of assuming like, oh, Ripley's instantly a mom to Newt because she's a woman. Right. Uh, which might make you think less of James Cameron's writing. But in reality, James Cameron, holy fuck, he writes some strong ass yes, women. He does. And yeah. it, it makes more sense when you're like, oh, no, like Ripley's a surrogate mom to Newt because she lost her own daughter. Right. Yeah, uh, it makes that a lot more meaningful than just like mom, therefore woman, right. like J.K. Rowling style, right? Right, uh, and that also then makes the final fight about you know the this mother who's just lost all of her kids versus this other mother who's lost her child, and they're fighting over Newt. They're fighting over a child. <laughs> um, it really, That's true. I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah. It really changes like the dynamic there where it's almost like Newt is this surrogate for their loss. And they both are attempting to... I mean, in the case of the alien queen, she's going to use Newt to implant another child. In the case of, of Ripley, she's going to save Newt and, and probably... You know, in our minds, we're thinking, oh, of course, she's going to, you know, either take care of Newt or, you know, make sure Newt is taken care of uh, something completely destroyed by Alien 3. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck, man? Shit. Again, this is like Fox did not know the value of what they nope. were fucking working no, with No, they here. didn't. They didn't. So stupid, man. Um, that's another thing with Newt, too, that I was missing. Like, I was like, I swear there's a scene where her family gets wiped out. Her family, yeah. But that wasn't in the theatrical cut. It's not, yeah, director's cut. There, yeah, her her brother actually pay, played her brother in a scene, and yeah, there there's with her mom and her dad and her brother that is cut out. I, I think, I, I wish I had seen the director's cut, because I have seen it before and remembered, like, those scenes as well and was kind of wondering where they were um because i think they they serve to do a good bit because otherwise i mean newt doesn't show up until 45 minutes into the movie like wow which is because the movie is well paced you don't really notice it but you really don't she is one of the main characters in the movie <laughs> she doesn't show up for 45 minutes uh and i think yeah. maybe there was some worry at at fox that it's like oh this is just too long and and we need to cut some some stuff that could be cut i don't think they cut the angle with her daughter just to make it like oh women take care of kids i think it probably really was just like well that's just a scene if we got rid of it it wouldn't change anything in their minds 
Um, There's some subtle stuff going on too in that scene though. If you watch, where like after Paul Reiser tells her about it, and she's immediately like in shock yeah. and like grieving, he like glances at his watch. Yeah. It's like subtle stuff where you're like, oh man, you are a piece of shit. Yeah, dude. and maybe you do want to disguise that a little. Maybe that's another reason to cut it. But yeah, I think maybe it's that's too much of a tell. I think it's a really good scene and, and shouldn't have been cut. And also, yeah, this just setting up uh, what's going on with the co- colony and whatnot would have been a good moment but it, it is that is kind of skippable yeah yeah our main characters in this are of course ripley and the uh, the band of marines that she sent down to lv4 it's 426 right uh yeah, i think so i, I, I don't know why i'm brain farting on that <laughs> or is it 428 sent down to the planet it's one of them yeah oh man some alien yeah. nerd is like really mad at us right now and is unsubscribing to the show oh yeah um, fuck i thought about this <laughs> because i've i i watched a three-hour making of documentary, and I watched the um, uh, the movies that made us episode on Netflix about I aliens, too, yeah. and I watched this movie three times, and I was just like, like there are people who are so serious about these movies. I'm gonna still fuck up no matter what. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it is LV four two six. Okay, four two six. Gotcha. Yeah, LV-426. So, you know, she's sent down there with this band of Marines to investigate why they haven't heard from this colony that's there, like, terraforming the place. And, you know, whenever this uh, this all kind of started and everybody awakens from their hypersleep pods, mm-hmm. I had forgotten how many Marines there, there are. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Like, Because, you know, I'm making notes for the podcast and stuff, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to keep track of what everybody's right. names are. But those characters are introduced and immediately start fleshing out personalities like right away. Uh, it makes it really easy to keep up with, and like yeah. learning more about these characters is fun. Like, there's actually quite a lot of setup in this movie. There's a lot to get the wheels turning here, but the entire time, it's enjoyable because you get the impression with these Marines that there's like a lot of history shared between them. Like there's a lot yeah. of implied stuff going on here with these characters. We're like, okay, these people have worked together. They've been through some shit together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very different from like, let's say the team of scientists and was it Prometheus? Right. Yeah. Where they're all disconnected and seem inhuman. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, whereas with this, you're introduced to a ton of characters all at once and they all immediately have standout features. Like, dude, Apone waking up and immediately chomping that cigar between right. his teeth as soon as he wakes up. And then you got like Vasquez and Frost that are like, or it's not Frost, it's uh, there, There's Fuck, definitely somebody named Frost in there. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Hudson? That's the, are you talking about Hudson, the, the blonde dude? No, it's not Hudson. It's the guy that she's like really tight with. God damn it. I'm Hudson's blowing Paxton. it right now. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. I blew it too. Drake is the blonde dude. Drake. Drake. Drake that's yes, him. The guy she's tight with. And they're they're <laughs> like doing like, you know, chin ups and pull ups yeah. and stuff. And their rapport throughout the movie is great too. There's apparently some like unwritten history between them where like they both grew up in a really rough area and mm-hmm. spent their childhoods together and joined this Marine Corps together and stuff. Like they feel like they're a unit. They're not like a romantic unit. They just seem like they've been through a lot of shit and like bust yeah. each other's chops and stuff. Two things. One, don't do behind the neck pull-ups. Don't don't do yeah? yeah. Don't do don't do behind the neck lap pull down. Don't do behind the neck pull-ups. Why? It's terrible for your shoulders and your your neck. Just bad. Well, good thing I don't do it. Yeah. Is it bad for your neck and your back? Yep. Your pussy and your crack as well. Oh, just yeah. all of it? Yep. I would I do not oh. recommend it for for pussy health, for sure. 
<laughs> okay, so that was one thing. What's the uh, other thing? Number two, uh, the reason why uh, they they have such a great feel, I think, is uh, Cameron had them uh, the the Marines, the people playing the Marines, that is, come in and do a bunch of like training together. Uh, and um, what's his name, Sergeant Apone Al Matthews, is a uh, a Vietnam War vet. Um, oh shit and like he like helped them try like really did get developed that sort of sergeant role with them and so they all kind of trained together and then he also he uh he took them all into a room one day and they all basically just got to design their armor uh like you know put like you know their own unique uh, twists on it and pick, you know, maybe just some accessories to go along with it or whatever. Bedazzle and, it. Yeah, and he just basically left them alone for like six hours. Uh, and so they, they developed this like camaraderie and then developed these like personalities of their own, you know, like how they felt the character was. Um, and then very interestingly, they brought in uh, Lieutenant Gorman. Uh, uh, Paul Reiser. What does he play? Fuck. Uh, Burke. They brought brought in uh, Lieutenant Gorman, Burke, and um, Ripley. After that, it all happened. So these people, oh. all the Marines, have developed this like closeness, and then they're supposed to do these scenes with these people where they're supposed to feel disconnected, and they do. So it's yeah, like yeah, kind of this real smart way of making sure you're going to get a good gel feeling there. That's rad. Huh. That's pretty cool, man. Um, and it's interesting, too, because with these Marines, initially, whenever you kind of meet these characters, you know, they're very they're very hard ass. They're very like ready to fucking kick ass. And they're like super lewd and talking about alien poontang and stuff. Right. Arcturian poontang as, yeah. as well as uh, talking about uh, taking some virginities on on LV426. So That's a little unsavory. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're kind of like, she's just in here among these meatheads, you know? Yeah. But then what I love is that they have, yeah, all that big meathead energy, and then all of that is instantly shattered as soon as they have their first mission into that uh, that atmosphere generator, and they just get ripped to fucking shreds. Like, after that... All of the meathead bravado stuff is gone, and these are just yeah. people trying to escape with their fucking lives. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she earns their respect by being uh, useful, like ha- having uh, being capable, um, and and also you know showing that not only is she capable, but she's willing to just put in the work. Uh, but yeah, once they've actually ran into the thing that she's been telling them about and telling them to be afraid of. Uh, they are way more scared than her. He's <laughs> like, yeah. she's the one now. Like before, it's like you're crazy, and now it's like, oh fuck, what do we do? You please tell us what to do. Yeah, because they realize and respect the fact that she has experience with this enemy that they do not. Therefore, right. they should listen to her if she knows anything or has any advice to give them just to survive this situation. Dude, yeah. that, that first fight, whenever they're fighting all the xenomorphs and they just get annihilated is so cool. And I love that they show th- so much of it through the lens of their, their like body cameras that are all like staticky and shitty. So it's just super chaotic. Like you can't fucking tell what's happening. And then, you know, the parts that are like in the movie on the scene um, of them shooting all these aliens, it's super chaotic 
really out of control. It just seems like all, you know, all shit has just hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh the the set design and stuff for when, you know, they they start entering the the hive and it, it just looks I mean, not only alien but like so bug-like and yeah it's like a big old dirt dauber nest yeah just yucky so gross um and then that you know they're they're kind of walking through it there for a while and then that alien that is like perfectly blended into the wall just reaches out and grabs one of the marines that is such like i had forgotten because i had always thought like alien is is a more of a sci-fi horror and this is more of an action but he's got some really solid fucking horror in it Oh, dude, that scene where they look up in that drop ceiling and all those aliens are like scattering to like to the oh. camera, like hanging from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. shit. Also, that scene where Ripley and Newt are fighting that face hugger and it just jumps out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I legitimately jumped out of my seat. Yeah. So, I yeah, I've, I've reassessed this. This is still horror. <laughs> this is just action horror. Uh, right? It's and, really got some great stuff in there. It does. And, and, and like, I think, you know, once they who is it that for the michael bean he he puts that shotgun in the alien's mouth and and shoots yeah and then that acid like shoots in and that's like it it hits bill paxton and and the guy actually yeah no right before that uh drake had gotten dissolved by the acid and uh that's kind of where they really realize like what they're in where it's like oh shit like even killing them can kill you. Yeah. Like, holy fuck, what do we do? And that's, yeah, well, that's when Bill Paxton starts just, like, he, he goes insane, right? Like, I mean, he, he's just basically like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. I'm getting out of here. Uh, I love how Bill Paxton is instantly, like, hopeless. He's yeah. like, this is a lost cause. We have to get the fuck out of here. He yep. gets so desperate so fast. <laughs> yeah. And he's right. <laughs> That's exactly what they should do. Yeah. I I I think this movie does such a great do- job of building tension um the whole time and then also having real huge action moments. I mean, we get it. We get a Sigourney Weaver in like a fucking mover suit fighting a alien queen at the end it is and it's like it's all practical (laughs) it's so cool like it's unreal unbelievable man there's something about james cameron whenever he decides to do the big action beats in the movie whether you think about this or terminator 2 or whatever man he knows how to pace an action scene he knows how to keep the stakes being continually raised keeping the intensity up because if it's just non-stop intense the whole time nothing is intense right you, know, you need yeah. those like those quiet moments in there to ease up and then something huge will happen again it's it's really it's like writing a song in a lot of ways and james cameron is insanely great at, at pacing action sequences i mean really yeah. the last 30 40 minutes of this movie are just action yeah it just it just keeps going it and it, it gets like more and more tense and more and more gross i mean uh you know the alien queen's uh, big old bug lady pussy dick uh just Ugh. spitting out those eggs and shit it's like so gross yeah. man like I, and then I, the camera follows it, and you see what it's uh, attached to, and it's uh, like, holy 
fucking shit. Yes. Like that reveal, man, where it shows, yeah, the queen's still connected to like her ovipositor thing and she's just kind of hanging and she has that big like crest on her head and all those yeah. bony protrusions. Uh-huh. That is one of the most fucking sick final boss reveals in history. It's unbelievable. It never it never gets old. Like I'm waiting for the point where like we talked about with the Lord of the Rings movies, where it's just kind of getting to the point where you're like, okay, I can see the seams. I can definitely see this is not aging right. extremely gracefully. I'm waiting for that to happen with this alien queen. And like you said, what, 36 years later? Jesus. Nope. Still looks still fucking unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. Like, there, there's a magic to these things, dude, where, you know, anytime I'm watching a movie now, I'm watching a Marvel movie, whatever it is. And I see something and I go, man, how did they do that? I know how they did it. Right. I know how they did it. As soon as you say, I don't know how they did that, you know how they did it. Computers. Duh. Right. CG. That's it. Yep. Somebody sat down and did some clicks and whatnot, and boom, there it was. This movie, not that that's not artistry in itself. It but is. You absolutely. still know. Yeah. You know, you still know. Whereas like with this, dude, the, the top to bottom, like you have to know how to construct that thing for one. How to make this... How how tall is the queen? It's like fucking fifteen feet tall. Right. Yeah. They. I mean, we never we never see a, a full queen, but the the mock up they did was about fifteen feet tall. So I'm assuming like if they that that would be what the full queen looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So like the logistics of like planning how to make this actually work with you know multiple people inside it controlling the arms like a dozen people outside of it controlling servos that control the mouth movements and all right. this as well as the damn like crane thing that has to hold it up uh-huh. so there's that side of it where it's like how do you even plan how that would work and then there's jimmy james cameron's side where it's like how do you shoot that and not reveal the trick how do i right. show you this thing super up close and you never figure out how it works. It's mind-boggling, dude. They didn't do any kind of digital erasure of wires no. or you know uh, lines or cables or anything. They show you this thing full on and somehow never reveal how it's it's working. It's utterly insane, man. I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, it is. It is mind-boggling because. Um I am thinking specifically of the Alien Queen uh, reveal in Alien vs. Predator, which comes out, uh, what, uh, 18 years after this? And um, it's CG, and it looks like shit. And it looks it looks yeah. like a PlayStation 2 like, boss reveal. Um, and it's just like, oh, okay, so that's just flat and bad. Um, There's no magic there at yeah. all. But this... Still to this day, you look at it and it's like, well, I guess they just caught an alien queen, huh? They must have because it shows her like full on, you know, uh, dealing it uh, double duke punches and a power loader and you see it happening. Like right. Rip- Ripley fought it. So it must be real, I guess. It's crazy because like the way that he shot it, it's like in your head, in your memory, you think you saw the entire thing. Right. But like in reality, your mind just kind of glued together all the various images it showed you of the head, the arms, here's the feet, here's the tail. Yeah. But it actually never showed you the whole thing on screen at once. Like when yeah. you had to really think ingenu- ingenuitively, ingenuingly, <laughs> what? <laughs> when you had to work more smarter rather than yeah. just showing everybody everything. 
it made these people so much more creative than just right. being like, okay, we'll do the reveal and show the entire thing. Now the audience knows what it looks like. Cool. That's not cool, actually. Well, and here's the thing. Like, okay, so th- this movie is obviously, um, it-, it got done in time and on budget uh, under the supervision of, of Galen Hurd as producer and and uh, James Cameron as as director, but there were people you know making this stuff. Stan Winston, obviously with the the creature effects, uh, but there there was a crew here having to work their ass off to make all these things work. Uh, sometimes in in not entirely safe conditions, um, and. They had gone to Pinewood Studios specifically for tax incentives, but I guess they didn't look into the fact that the Pinewood Studios crew they were going to be hiring was a union crew, and okay. they have union rules, including that they get uh, tea time twice a day. Now, when I watched the... Um, the uh movies that made us episode of this it made it seem like all oh, these kooky brits they just want their tea time that's um, the impression i got too where it was just like they went over there and they just do stuff a little bit different these lazy yeah. brits they don't work as hard as us like that's right. kind of kind of the impression i left with too i i didn't ever catch any mention of them being yeah a yeah, union they, crew and it's they like don't oh no we're, we're taking care of ourselves here <laughs> Yeah, they don't mention it. Uh, but in the, the, the three-hour making of documentary, uh, they, there's a bit of a broader uh, scope for the what they talk about. And they talk about specifically that it was a union rule. Uh, number two, normally on a Hollywood set, they, just ha- they, they have uh, food out all day that you can go and grab throughout the day if you need a snack or whatever. They didn't on this set. So the only food they were getting was the tea time breaks that they got twice a day. So they're being expected to work more hours than they normally work and being told that somehow them eating during the day is a problem. Uh, (laughs) So I'm just saying, if you watch that, uh, the movies that made us episode, just take that with a grain of salt. And it also makes me think, well, take every episode of that with a grain of salt because they try to make it all upbeat and happy and movie making isn't always upbeat and happy in this case james cameron was being an absolute dick and not following the union rules and they should have looked into it before they decided to film at pinewood studios but also uh, i'm saying that like oh they should have used a non-union crew no every crew should be union fox should have given them a bigger budget to pay so that they could actually get this done in a normal time instead of having that? to push yeah. it through. Uh, yeah. And of course, it's not like they didn't have the money either. So, right, exactly. And of course, the final product is amazing. And you know, you can't blame uh, you can't blame James Cameron for for the way he works. He is a perfectionist, and as you said, he really could do every single job on a movie set except for act. Um, so when Do you think he that like eventually James Cameron's like desire for you know 
technology and inventing new technology just to make his movies better and all this jazz. Do you think it's ever going to get to a point where it's like James Cameron unveils startling cloning technology, makes right. crew of James Camerons to make the next James Cameron movie? <laughs> I I do believe that. I mean, I obviously, yeah. I honestly believe <laughs> that. Be like, sick. <laughs> he he really is like he's finding all these technologies so he doesn't have to depend on that many people. Um, I think so because he knows it all. That's the yeah. thing. I, I I think though that like yeah uh, it, when you get into the crew stuff about this the crew was right and <laughs> the Americans were wrong and uh, uh, you know if they didn't want to give them tea time they should have had uh, you know some fucking food around throughout the day maybe yeah imagine that <laughs> yeah I, some people like to eat James <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's tough because like I I'm totally at odds with you know hearing and seeing how intense and hard on this crew and hard on all of his crews james cameron right. is yeah, he's, he's one of those he's guys tough. that yeah he's up there with like stanley kubrick in terms right. of just having absolutely bonkers standards and putting people through the ringer to achieve what he knows yeah. is possible and then i'm like man like the guy just expects everybody to work on his level and his level is fucking high it's it is. really fucking high yeah. man i mean I, i've worked with a lot of people that are the same way in in music and it's not comfortable whatsoever, no, I bet. but it has also led to the biggest periods of growth that I've ever had as a musician, you know, working with somebody who's like, I can do this. Therefore you should be able to, because you're playing in my band. Yeah. Uh, it's not been easy and I've definitely gone home with hurt feelings. And then at the end of it turned out being a better musician because of it. So I, I'm at odds. I'm like, man, guys should really be nice to everybody. And you know, the, the whole thing could go easier if everybody was getting along but then I'm like, this guy just might have showed them a lot of new tricks they didn't know. Maybe. I mean, and also, though, I mean, uh, it's the studio putting this, like, pressure on him to be done in this low budget and in this small amount of time. Uh, you know, and they didn't need to do that. It, I just, like, Fox was constantly looking for leverage on everything. Like, they just didn't want, I don't know for people to enjoy themselves making a movie? <laughs> I don't sounds know. Sounds that way. Yeah, because it sounds like it was pretty miserable filming this thing. Yeah, right. the working conditions, a lot of times were unsafe. Like, the actors talked yeah. about, like, you know, because they're using real flamethrowers. Like, they uh -huh. are torching those sets for real. And, and a lot of times those sets were... Sometimes. Yeah, and, and just, like, letting off vapors that we're like suffocating people working in there. Like yeah. it's really not safe at all the way no. they did this. Dude, dude fucking apparently had live ammo in that gun and blew a hole through the wall. Yeah, what? James Remar. Okay, so James Remar was originally the Michael Bean rolled uh, Dwayne Hicks. Uh, uh, he <laughs> he apparently had some drugs and got arrested and got uh, fired from the movie, but. When they were doing the training uh, all together as as a Marine Corps group, there, uh, it was James Remar, and apparently, yeah, he shot a live round through a wall in the next door studio, which was uh, filming um, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> so <laughs> that's whoops, yeah. What? I can't imagine poor little Rick Moranis uh, just over there trying yeah. to sing with a, a huge plant, and then here comes a bullet. 
<laughs> it's kind of interesting too, knowing that they were filming Little Shop right across the uh, the other side of the wall there, when yeah. where they were dealing with a lot of the same things to make those special effects it's work. True. We talked about yeah. this on the the Little Shop episode that we did. I think that was twenty twenty, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Been a little while. But they did a lot of things in there where you know these huge puppets for that plant for the Audrey two couldn't really move fast enough to yeah. look real on camera, so they had to shoot it with the camera cranked at a lower yep. frame rate. Mm-hmm. So everybody else had to act slow yeah. and then they sped it up to make it look fast and everything looks right. I mean, it's extremely difficult to do that as an actor to be like, act slower. Yeah. <laughs> but they did the same thing with like the queen here because th- they couldn't make the queen really move as fast as it needed to look on camera. There's actually a lot of crazy frame rate stuff that they had to do in this movie. That is it's it's baffling. It's like fucking math of magic the way they did a lot of this stuff. Even, <laughs> even down to the fact that, like, I, I saw something where they were talking about one of the scenes where they had, like, a bunch of TV monitors in the back. It might be during the debriefing scene. And, like, TVs in the UK run at, it's like, whatever, 22 frames per second. Okay. So they had to shoot those scenes at 22 frames per second. That way it wouldn't look all like jittery. You know uh-huh. how like it does when you film a TV and it looks skippy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like they had to take all these considerations into mind. They they filmed stuff at high frame rates and slowed it down. They filmed stuff at low frame rates and sped it up. Uh, the only time it's it's bad is during the, yeah, the, the knife scene that Bishop does at the first of the movie where... You can see Apone's head moving like extremely fast in the background. Did you notice <laughs> yeah. that? Yes, I did. It's kind of silly. Like that's yeah. one thing that I'm like, I'm surprised that didn't get cut because it's obvious, you know? Yeah, I I think it, it does show, and this is crazy because this is Cameron's third movie, but it it shows that he he has a mastery of like in his mind, he can put together a scene. And if a problem happens where it's like, oh, fuck, what about this? He can just like, oh, well, we'll do it this way. Like, like he can find a quick solution that's cheap and is going to get it done in camera without having yeah. to do anything like wild afterward. I that that is that is the mind of a great director like oh yeah and and it's kind of like I mean, you know, you have directors today who still do that, but it's kind of like. You know, with, say, like uh, an MCU movie, uh, you don't have to have a vision at all because it's all going to be on green screen and it's all going to be made afterward in the computer. Uh, Not to say that those movies, I don't love those movies, I do, but uh, they don't have this level of craftsmanship and this level of, like, thought and the, the amount of effort that's going into just make the the uh the loader thing move or the the oh jeez dude the queen uh move down the the tunnels and stuff it's it's like so amazing to see that today and go like that still looks real that still looks yeah. scary people hands made that yeah mm-hmm. it's unreal man yeah yep. on the subject of uh of bishop too that's played by our man lance oh lance hendrickson Dude, I think that he is so underrated as an actor. The amount of range that that guy has and the amount of different performances he can put on. Dude, there's something about the way that he just holds his face in this as an android. 
that is something I've never seen him do in any other movie. Like I, I kept looking being like, is he wearing like contacts that make his eyes look bigger than they are? What's going on here? But there's something about him that looks very, I don't know, artificial synthetic, but also kind of innocent and non-threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he tried to play the role, uh, childlike, um, I can see that he has an innocence about him. He does. Uh, he he also he said that like he saw Bishop as as uh, having a childlike view of the world, but also a sadness that the that people were going to die, like that their their time was so limited, whereas his wasn't. Uh, so wow, he, yeah. he does he does come across that way. Where it, uh, honestly, like the best way to put it is he he feels human. Uh, as a yeah. as an android, as an art- artificial person, he he feels human, which is not um not entirely true of uh, what was his name? E- uh, the guy who played him in the first one. Damn it, uh, Bilbo. Oh, yeah. Ian. Yes. Ian, uh, <laughs> Ian Bilbo. Flint- <laughs> Ian Bilbo. His name. Yeah. is. that's right. Uh, yeah, I think I think with him, you know, he he didn't have as much humanity as Bishop does, which is. You know, it's addressed in the film that basically, like, you know, this it's been fifty-seven years. They've gotten better at making artificial people, and I like too that they include that that detail, that kind of character flaw. Well, maybe character flaw in Ripley, where she's been in his hypersleep for that long, and she comes out of it, and she's like, "Wait, you guys have a fucking robot on this yeah. crew? <laughs> I hate like- robots. I'm robot racist." <laughs> yeah, she's a racist, and she's like a racist old lady who just fro- was frozen sixty years ago and just got thawed to be like there was a black president like i know right yeah but then like us the viewer we're kind of on her side where we're like well yeah ash yeah, turned out know. to be the big bad uh-huh. in the last one you can't yeah. trust these things yeah so we we're yeah we are also like her where it's like oh are these are they idiots or whatever but then bishop proves to be you know this uh you know a good artificial person who doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't do anything to harm humans and that moment where we realize that is when we get hit with the uh, alien queen tail through his chest and his milk Holy blood going shit. everywhere. It's like it's such a oh perfect my God. moment for that to happen because you think it's I over. Know. Yeah, and it's like Ripley has finally grown through experience and realized like, oh, I was wrong about you. Yeah. Sorry about that. And then, boom. Mm-hmm. That thing, that tail. And, and again, dude, like I'm talking about close-up magic right here. Yeah. The camera is right there, and suddenly there's this huge fucking tail busting out of his chest. Yep. That How? Is, How did they do that? They, uh, they There's a, a small tube in his chest uh, that the tail is, like, coming up from under it and through the tube so that it comes out straight. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really fucking cool that they... Because it looks, it looks like something penetrated through him. It looks so yeah. much like that. So perfect. It looks straight done. out of his chest, man. Yeah. That's something that's kind of crazy, too. Like, when you think about all the technological expertise that went into making this movie possible, and then you hear Lance Henderson talking about, like, yeah, they had cups of yogurt and milk out for me that they just left out in the heat all day. It's spoiled. <laughs> I got food poisoning. It's like, you morons couldn't even think to fucking keep dairy refrigerated that was going to be in this guy's fucking mouth? Are you stupid? I'm... I'm pretty sure James Cameron is himself an artificial person. Maybe. Uh, he was just like, 
he learned that day that milk goes bad. <laughs> he had no idea Wait, otherwise. What? Okay. Huh? I've Maybe never, sick? Why? never consumed it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that whole thing too, man, is the best fake out ending ever. Because after we've had all that, all that stuff where Ripley goes in, back into the nest to try to get Newt from the queen and the self-destruct is running. It's very reminiscent of the Nostromo on uh, Alien, the yeah. original one, mm-hmm. where... Dude, there's this sense of doom. There's all kinds of smoke and flashing lights and yep. fires. She's just alone in there with those like two guns. She's like damn gaff taped together. That's fucking sick. Yeah, yeah it is. She has the flamethrower. She marches through there and like, yeah, takes the queen on. I-, I love too that little detail where she sees the queen. She sees all the eggs. The other like little, uh, I guess, drone xenomorphs come out too. Uh-huh. They realize she could torch all the eggs, and yeah. they back off. Like she even gets smart. the aliens' yeah. respect. Yeah, the xenomorphs. Like I, I love that they show that because yeah. also the queen kind of backs off too because their main drive is to reproduce. So they will work to protect the eggs. They will smartly stand back. They'll bargain it, with you a little. Yeah, exactly. I, I liked that element to it. I th- I think it's it's uh it's also real cool that the last that like fifteen minute countdown that we have at the end is actually fifteen minutes of the movie right yeah awesome that's awesome, so cool man. but dude whenever she escapes and they they nuke it from orbit and you see the huge explosion and they uh-huh. get away and they redock onto the ship if it was credits right there I would have been like this is one of the best movies I've ever fucking right. seen that was fucking sick and then yes. dude the, the tail through the chest then uh-huh. he gets ripped in half ripped it's like Mortal combat shit it's so brutal uh-huh. and then we get the fucking mom versus mom yeah. showdown yeah. holy fuck dude it's like it, it really takes it up to a new level after that where you're like this movie actually just leveled up and I thought it was at level 99 as it is <laughs> right yeah, it's so cool. Like, I, I, I really, like, th- very few things to potentially complain about with this movie, but we're gonna. Yeah. Because <laughs> we gotta. And th- we gotta talk about Vasquez. How about we that? We do gotta talk about Vasquez. Vasquez, awesome character. Fucking badass woman. Strong woman. Strong, muscular uh, you know, the Bill Paxton makes that uh, stupid line like, oh, uh, that was it. That's the line. <laughs> As he uh, says, yes. Yeah. But, you know, like basically uh, muscular women or men type of stupid joke. But she's she's fucking uh, she's got her retort. Uh, she's cool about it. Vasquez, awesome, well-written character. And it's a white lady in brown face. Oh, damn it. It's like we were right there at the finish line, and then it's like, oh, god damn it, man. Yeah, you're like, she's this awesome, uh, yeah, strong Latina character in this group of macho meatheads, and it's still a white woman. God damn it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, there are four, uh, four women. Uh, including Ripley, three three women are in the Marines. So, like the 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 Space Marines we're dealing with are, uh, you know, still male dominated. But Vasquez is this like she's doing the role like a very masculine role. She's carrying uh, uh, this huge machine gun. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, and she's she's got she's these fearless. big muscles. She's fearless. 
But yeah, and I love Jeanette Goldstein. I mean, we she's, she's amazing. She's great as uh, you know, uh, Rattlesnake or whatever in. Is that what she's called? Copperhead? I, Di- I think it's Diamondback. Diamondback in, Diamondback. in Dear Dark. Uh, Dude, she- the thing is, is she's so good that I think for the first fucking, you know, whatever, 18 years of my life that I had seen this movie, uh-huh. I thought that she was a Latin woman. No. Like, she's she's really good. She's really, she's really good. She's just a white and then, lady. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Is I think it was even like whenever we did Near Dark on the show, like, that was actually our first Lost episode that we never released. Right. I was like, wait, that's Vasquez? She's a white lady. Right. What? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing. And it's not one of these things where you, you could be listening right now and be like, so a white lady got a tan and they said she was Latina. No, they, they put brown makeup on her. Like yeah. they, she's yeah. covered in brown makeup. It is, it is brown face. Um, and they, that's a problem. And, and, and uh, again, you might say, well, it's 1986. We've done other 80s movies where they've had Latina characters. There are Latina actresses in Hollywood in the 80s. They could have I know. Eased. Now, this is, okay, one, one tiny excuse for it is that because they were filming in England, they had to first approach English actresses or actresses who lived in England for a certain period of time. Now, Jeanette Goldstein had lived in England, uh, so maybe it would be harder to find a Latina actress, but you could just change the character. You don't have to put this muscular white lady in brown face and call her Vasquez. You could just change her name, and that's it. And and nothing changes. that would have been fine. Nothing changes. I mean, props for trying to diversify this group of Marines. 100%, yeah. It's better just to use an actual person of that uh, yeah. ethnicity if that is yes, your intent please otherwise it's taking steps backwards actually. <laughs> yeah you're doing the wrong thing there you're doing the wrong thing there yeah. like honestly that that is a complaint like that is the one thing in this movie that is not really uh, you know uh, standing the test of time right uh, and, but I, I think in general people aren't even gonna notice it um, and no that, I didn't yeah that that was something that like even though I was like watching Jeanette Goldstein in interviews and seeing she was a white lady, it still didn't hit until they talked about it in the documentary. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, she does a fucking great job in this. They just should have either found a Latin actress or just dropped the entire thing and just right. had her be, you know, herself on screen. That would have been fine. I yeah. think my only other like major complaint about this movie I think the soundtrack is actually pretty forgettable. Yes, I agree with that. Now, there's a lot of time without any sort of music, and that's perfect. But when the music happens, it's kind of generic. It is. It really, really is. Like, There's nothing that I think I would hear in the soundtrack, and it would stand out to me. I'd be like, oh, that's definitely from fucking Aliens. Um Apparently, James Horner only had like four days to write the soundtrack, though. So, absolutely understand. And, and the thing is that that like music, when they're like getting away the the like actiony heavy point near the end, that music has been used in a lot of movie trailers. So, like in four days, he came up with something that was like, I mean, yeah, it's it's correctly it's correct to call it generic. Uh, but useful. It it does make you feel like, oh, they're escaping. Although yeah. it continually sounds like it's about to be Star Wars music. 
I know. It's so <laughs> it's so close. Yeah, it's like it's good enough to be in a whole bunch of movies. That's sure. I guess that's kind of good in a way, yeah. but there's it's nothing not really unique. that has personality to right. it, you know? I did like the moments that didn't have soundtrack. Like the fact that the whole, yeah. you know, Queen versus Power Loader scene has no soundtrack behind it. It's just yeah, the sound just- of the power alien loader and alien noises. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, yeah, the gears and the pneumatics of the power loader. Like all of that is fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the absence of soundtrack more than I like the actual soundtrack and not even the alien had some grandiose soundtrack to it either, but mm. this just felt a little generic for a movie that goes above and beyond in so many other ways, dude. I mean, yeah. the, the, the effects and stuff, the sets, the costumes. Yeah. Everything is so fucking rad. That kind of like future, what's it called? Like retro future kind of look that this has. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. God damn it. I love it so much, man. Me too. I really do think that the the queen is the greatest creature effect ever on camera. I don't think anything comes close. Yeah. And also, probably one of the best monsters ever in a movie. Like, yeah. The xenomorph, uh, specifically in Aliens, the xenomorphs are frightening. They're, like, so efficient. Like, everything about them is disgusting and scary. <laughs> like, they're perfect. I love oh, yeah. xenomorphs. And those sets, too, they did so much intelligent stuff just to save money. There's so many things in this that are that are mirrors, to make scenes and rooms look bigger than they are that you would never fucking know unless you are directly looking for it. There's no way that you would know it's, it's nuts. It's so smart. The aliens crawling on the ceiling, just the camera upside down. I mean, like there's so many things where like he just used the simplest pot, the, that, uh, the, the bit where the face hugger, like, scuttles across the floor and then jumps up on that table leg and then jumps toward the camera. That's oh, dude. like three separate shots just perfectly shot and edited together. Like, And just, some of them are filmed in reverse and then yep. played the other way around and you, you don't know. There's actually tons of stuff in this movie that they filmed in reverse. Yeah. And you never know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just A-plus filmmaking... Um, I, I really like the only other thing I have to say about this is something I didn't notice, uh, uh, ever before, but it's been talked about the, on the internet. So in the debriefing room in mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie on the background, the crew of the Nostromo are sort of flashing by on that, on that TV yeah, yeah. screen. Mm-hmm. Well, Joan Lambert flashes by. Oh, and. In the description of Joan Lambert, she uh, Joan Lambert is a trans woman. That's so subtle. I never noticed that. I think it's just more effort just making this into woke trash to corrupt <laughs> and groom our children. They're turning people, uh, characters that wasn't even trans are making them trans. You're telling <laughs> me a woman can beat an alien? Come on. <laughs> Oh man! This, I mean, yeah, this, is, this is this is prey. I mean, this is very much like this is a uh, uh, you know all all the big tough hunter guys get killed off, and now it's uh, a woman using her intelligence to to beat this. But I I don't I most of the reviews I read I didn't see anything like that in 1986. I guarantee somebody in 1986 was saying that. 
surely it seemed but we like didn't most have the, the internet back then so right we never yeah, heard exactly them because people are like you're an idiot keep that to yourself <laughs> right yeah i think that's interesting though to uh you know i mean i don't know what the deeper implications of of, of all that is but the fact that this character is trans there's some trans representation and that also uh in the original script for alien lambert and ripley uh were in a relationship yeah, yeah, that's right. So that, I mean, that just adds a, a new wrinkle to that. This isn't just a, a lesbian race, relationship. This is a, a trans lesbian with a, another woman. Like that, that just adds a new wrinkle because of the fact that none of these things are ever mentioned. It's yeah. just normal. Uh, I mean, this, yeah. this even has like in the Arcturian Poontang thing. Uh, they're having that conversation about getting Arcturian Poontang, and they say, "Yeah, except the one you had was a guy." And the guy, the guy says, doesn't matter when it's Arcturian. So these Arcturians yeah. are like uh, gender fluid as well. So there's like all of this is just background stuff where basically it's like the 80s idea of the future is like, okay, you'll all stop being prudes. <laughs> Which somehow, Imagine that. And somehow we went the other way with it where <laughs> I don't know. Oh, people, they're so dumb. They're so dumb. I see a lot of people complain about Newt in this, saying that Newt's like not not a good actress and that her accent is weird. I have no problems with Newt, man. Like, hey, have you ever heard the accent of a kid that has grown up on a fucking space colony, probably filled (laughs) with people from all over the world and all over fucking space? Maybe you'd grow up with a weird accent, too. Well, apparently the deal is, too, is that Newt, well, whatever her... What is her her name in real life? The actress? Oh, shit. Uh, Carrie Hinn. Yeah. Like, she was stationed with her family on a UK-American Air Force base, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, she herself had grown up in a childhood hearing both American and British accents. Yeah. So, her accent is a little in between. She has moments where she sounds a little bit British, and then other times where she sounds more American. It's like, it's actually just her natural accent, so I don't have any problems with it, personally. I don't either. I I think the idea that this colony would have developed a specific accent over several decades makes all the sense in the world to me. Like, the kids probably would be dealing with people with several different accents, and it would start to develop its own sort of vernacular. Yeah, uh, yeah, that I'm didn't bother me, and she's adorable. So, I, and it is her first acting job. So, I mean, but she acts like a kid. That's to me. Yeah. That's what you want. Like, I know, I do love. We've talked about great child actors in the past, and I love when you have a great child actor who plays a sort of complex child character. But when a, a child actor comes across as a child, that's really good. That, yeah, <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, I got no problems with it. Do you have any other like complaints about the movie? To me, it's just it's Vasquez no, and the that's soundtrack, it. and that's yeah. basically it. You know, I I think this is like um, just an amazing movie. Stands up, stands the test of time. Um, I may like Alien more, and I probably gave Alien a ten. I don't know though if I could give this much lower. I know like, that's where I'm wrestling too. I'm like, if Alien is a ten, which it is, yeah. This is and like I'm a saying, 9.9. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like 9.9 repeating right. for all time, you know? Yes. I think yeah. it, if not for, yeah, if it had a stronger soundtrack and we had an actual 
Latin actress or just ditch the idea of putting this woman in brown face. Right. I would say like, no, this is, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, th- this movie is just amazing. And, uh, I really can't, I mean, we're 36 years past it. I can't see there'll ever be a time you go back and watch this movie. I mean, there are a couple moments where you're notice a miniature or whatever, but I mean, it's, it is just gorgeous it still every single effect still works the sets are still amazing love it yeah i'm I'm totally with you man and even those moments where you know i might have gotten pulled out of it for just a second because i'm like oh like that looks like a, a miniature that looks like a miniature car or whatever dude we're watching this on fucking you know 4k 57 inch tvs and we're sitting with our right. noses against the fucking screen like yeah this wasn't really ever meant to be seen that no. way so <laughs> i can't even really get that mad at it for no. that reason yeah it's just like we said uh in our our prey mini so like the cgi and prey is like well you know predominantly to be wild animals and it's like well that's fine with me the moments where you notice the miniatures in this it's like yeah, they're excellent miniatures. Like they look amazing. I maybe yeah. noticed it a little bit there. So what? Like it's probably amazing. cheaper than going to space and building a spaceship. I don't know. <laughs> probably a little bit. They Just saved a, a couple bucks there. Yeah, <laughs> that's because that Elon Musk wasn't around back then. That's why they had oh, to do it God. that way. <laughs> it's oh, unbelievable, man. dude. It's just it's a it's a fucking incredible movie. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Love it. So, I'm going to tell you guys to go support us on that their old Patreon page if you enjoy the show. Patreon.com slash... Dead and lovely. You can uh, give us some dollar papers if you like the show and want to help us out. You can also join up at the $5 or more a month level and submit a movie into the Smoking Bowl. Hell yeah, It's going to be drawn out and perhaps reviewed on a future episode of the show. Five bucks gets your movie in the bowl, so don't delay. Sign up today and also be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And Spotify, anywhere else you can review a podcast. Fucking um, uh, write it on a bathroom wall somewhere. Dead yes. Lovely Podcast is sick. Like, do that. I don't know. For a good time listen to. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I would love if I saw that somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Right? So maybe do that, you know? And uh, also be sure to tune in next week as we continue Action August. Action August. Now, this is one that you guys voted on. We put up a vote uh, on our social media and stuff. Uh, I believe Aliens was the top winner. It of was. The vote, right? Yep. And second place was, drum roll, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Kalima. Exactly. Oh, shitty day. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say this is not going to be a 9.9 repeating. Probably not. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't have any questionable uh, racial stereotypes or anything in no, there, does it? No, no. <laughs> Probably has ethical and respectful treatment of women in it, I'm guessing, oh, maybe. Definitely Kate Capshaw is like one of these, she's these Ellen Ripley types, you know, okay, where it's like, yeah. wow, that that's a that's a tough person who knows who they are and Stands doesn't scream at everything. And I also bet because nostalgia is a hell of a drug, I'm still going to be like, yeah, it's still pretty fun, though. Honestly, I bet. I, I have already rewatched it, 
And uh, there were several times where I was like, actually, this is way more fun than I remember. But okay. then there were so many more times where I was like, whoa, this is more racist than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out about it on next week's installment of the show, so be sure to tune in then. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying Action August. Thanks so much for giving us some ideas and votes as to what we should cover. It's always fun taking a little break from horror yeah. and just having some fun doing some of this shit. So we enjoy this, too. Hopefully, you guys are as well. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. We've been Dan Lovely. Catch you guys next time. Bye. Assholes and elbows. <laughs> I was doing some thinking, and I just want, you know, anybody who is on the, 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 the team for this movie, for the advertisement and stuff, if they hear this and they take my idea... I want at least 10 or 20% of this because this is okay. gold right here. And you heard it first here on Dead and Lovely, trademark Dead and Lovely. So I was thinking about this. We got that, um, that Bird Box 2 coming out sometime because everybody wanted that, question mark, oh, right? I, I did not know that was happening, but okay. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. I'm, I'm not right. really sure why. I think they're still investigating that, but it is happening. <laughs> All right. I was thinking in terms of like product placement tie-ins what if whenever that came out we had like let's say the kfc bird box right (laughs) (laughs) all right and i'm thinking what it is is it's like you know the box comes with like a blindfold and you have to put Uh the blindfold on before you open it and start eating right right yeah obviously but it's all like just fried you know it's like beaks and cloacas and oh okay just odd bits left over I thought I thought KFC was going to get into the Ortolan game. That uh What's that, that bird, the Ortolan it's it's a it's a songbird. Uh it's a French dish where they basically they like drown it in wine and then they <laughs> then they serve it they serve it whole and you're supposed what? to cover your face and eat the entire thing at once. What in uh, the fuck are you talking about? Is this real? Yeah, the Ortolan. Uh-huh. Check it out. Um, what? Anyway, I don't know. The French are weird. <laughs> I'm shocked, sir. <laughs> shocked by the French or what? Like <laughs> Sacre bleu. Oh. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the KFC was getting into that. And I was like, wow, that is... I mean, they're really going out for Bird Box 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be going hard. They'd really be leaning into the horror angle if that's what they were doing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they go hard in France. They do. <laughs> and they'll go hard at the KFC Bird Box 2 special. Yum, 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 yum. Beaks. <laughs> Cloacas. Yummy. Dude, that's so weird. I, no <laughs> I know. They did that. I know, I know. You're you're uh there. You're supposed to cover your face to uh hide from God as you do <laughs> no. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't French. think that works. That's like peekaboo logic on God. I don't think that's how that works. No, listen. God, God has to follow the rules. If he can't, if you yeah. cover, he follows monster rules. If okay. you cover your head, he can't see. Under the blankets, can't see it. Right. And if you're in the butt, he, he listen, he has nothing to say about it. He's like, okay, no. whatever. <laughs> That's that poop hole loophole. I can't do anything about it.